We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. I like tacos. Mañana viernes, sábado y domingo estaré atendiendo. When all of the barriers come 
Well, hello, hello, and welcome to episode 12 of Black Shirt Mixtape. I'm your host on this sonic journey. My name is Jesse. Hope you guys are doing well tonight. Uh, so yes, episode 12, and guess what? I've got another awesome guest. Um, so a couple episodes ago, um, I had somebody from the Instagram vinyl community come on the show. Her name was Solara Hughes. And tonight, I've got actually somebody who... I'm I'm pretty much just in awe of this guy's record collection. Not you know, <laughs> not, not not that I don't have a lot of the same stuff that he has, but he's just like on a whole other level. So, uh, Paul Jarman, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Oh Very my. excited about this. Well, I mean, look, I, I like I mentioned before we uh, started recording. I made a list. I checked it twice, and you were definitely <laughs> on the top of the list. I mean. In in my house, uh, you know, it's not uncommon for, uh, you know, my wife to kind of hear from the other room, me kind of exclaiming like, oh, God. And she's like, is it Paul? Is it? Is, <laughs> did he post another good album? And I'm like, damn it. And I was telling her today, I'm like, I at some point I'm going to go to, you're from Chicago, right? You're in Chicago? No, actually Minneapolis. Minneapolis. I'm so sorry. I'm yeah. going to be, I will no, be, no worries. I will be in Minneapolis and I, we are going to hang out at some point and we're going to listen to records for 100%. sure. So listen, um, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into vinyl collecting and, and, and more importantly, how did you get involved in the, in the IG uh, uh, vinyl community? Cause you are a, um, you are a, a beacon for a lot of us with your creativity oh. and, and your, your fantastic uh, taste of music. Well, it's been a, a great outlet. I started Instagram Vinyl Community probably about a year, year and a half ago. So maybe kind of early summer of 2019. And really, it was out of a, a desire just to find social media that wasn't so toxic. Right. You know, with, with an early kind of Instagram or, or sorry, a Twitter, Facebook user. Right. And especially during the last kind of, you know, election it got really, really bad. You're I mean, screaming I saw people into the void. that, yeah, uh, totally, yeah, trying to change people's minds and and all of that stuff. That is just like I, I'm not sure any of that's going to happen. You know, people seem to kind of land here with their own opinion, which is part of what's great about social media. But it just got to be just too much. You know, a lot of just stuff I wasn't wanting to find online. So right. it turned to like, oh, maybe just pictures will be <laughs> will be better, right? And, and that's, that's kind of what I... A few things. Oh, go ahead. No, I was to say, that's what I love about Instagram. It's like, it's just, you people communicate so much through pictures. You don't even really... I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Like, half the time people don't even read what we write. Like, I, I'll, I'll go on a little I know bit of I'm a rant. That. Yep. And, 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 like, they're just looking at the picture. I'm like, <laughs> I know you didn't read what I wrote. Like, sometimes I want to trick people and like throw <laughs> something in the middle just to kind of see if it generates a reaction. But anyway, continue. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just started posting like everybody just kind of like oh kind of hanging out your family took a trip here did something interesting you know for lunch or whatever the kind of the mundane and you know i got back into vinyl so i'll step back a, a few years okay. like about 2012 so uh, i'm old enough to have kind of lived through the early 80s you know kind of cd resurgence where vinyl was kind of phased out by cassettes and then by cds actually worked in a couple of local mall record stores in high school and early college. And then when vinyl stuff or started popping up again, like, you know, for me it was, let's say 2010, 2012, somewhere right. in there. Yep. 
where I dug out my old collection. Half of it was kind of just damaged and warped from, you know, years of just bad storage. And, you know, record store day, and we have a great, the local stores here in Minneapolis are outstanding. There's a half a dozen that are just like top-notch stores. And I'm sure like where you guys are too, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Not but as great as you would more think. More like, not as great as oh, you. I okay. mean, Dallas has some. Now, don't get me wrong, and I, I hope I'm not offending anybody in Dallas, but <clears throat> we have we do have <laughs> a lot of for some emails. I know, yep. right? Um, we do have a lot of great record stores, but I, I, we need more, uh, and we're actually losing. Yeah. We're, we're bleeding some, uh, you know, because of the pandemic. Unfortunately, we've got yeah, some, I some, would imagine. I know. some uh, shops that have gone uh, online. Uh, they've closed up their physical location, but um, uh, yeah, but just started to see more and more kind of special releases coming up and I'll, well, I'm going to get this year wrong, but it was really the jellyfish reissue. So they had <sighs> belly button and spilt milk come out. Yes. I want to say, Oh nine somewhere in there that really got my attention. I mean, I'm a huge fan of that band from when they first hit, you know, I think it was MTV when I first saw them yep. and it was just so different and so fresh. You kind of went like, Oh, that, that just, just hitting all my musical buttons. You so know when that release came out, yeah, it kind of just spurred this like avalanche of like, okay, I got to start collecting again, and then it's all downhill from there. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, not really, but um, so listen, <laughs> let's 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 jump into the music. Um, so first track that we kicked this off with. So you and I bonded very quickly over Crowded House and Neil Finn, and that was uh, Sinner yeah. off of Neil Finn's uh, uh, debut solo album, uh, Try Whistling This. Talk to me a little bit about uh, that yep. track and kind of why you threw it on there. It's one of those for me. I mean, going back to Crowded House's debut for sure. It was just like his voice, his, his approach to music just, again, just really struck a chord, sorry for the pun, with me. I, it, you know, it's the same sensibility of like, hearing music that you connect with and then kind of listening to it for a while and understanding why, like his influences and pulling from Beach Boys, Beatles, being in split ends and having that kind of musical influence that he did, that he had in that group. You know, that debut is just, it's you know, I forget, I went back and it is, and I, it, you know, I think it, it may be underrated a little bit. And I really got into that debut and kind of then lost track of them you know, for a couple of albums. And when Woodface came out, yeah. then followed by Together Alone, it was just like an event for me. That was, those two are just like biblical in, in the way that they were produced, performed. It's just like we, I mean, I'm sure you'll say the same thing, Jesse can't say enough good things about those two records i mean it's just fan yeah i mean you're absolutely right i mean th for me those are records that you just put on and you let them play and and you know what's yep. what's brilliant i mean he's just such a brilliant songwriter i mean the guy hasn't really put out bad material um no at all and you know i uh, got to see him play during the I want to say it was right after like one nil uh, and the seven worlds collide oh, very was cool. released. Okay. So he came and yep. he brought Johnny Marr along with him and it was, I uh, mean, it was great. And I, I never got I to see crowded house play, but it was a great pick. I love that track. And I'm glad that you picked something off his debut and not like his later stuff. Like to yeah, me. And it's one of, I was going to say, it's one of those tracks that every mix kind of that I would put together a playlist or especially like you and I bonding over music and not really knowing each other. It's like always on the top of the list for me. I just 
that song with the samples and the atmosphere of it, it's just, yep. it's amazing. Well, that it's was so good. That was a great choice. That was a great way to, to kick off the, the, uh, this episode. So we're going to, so, um, uh, for those of you listening, uh, basically what, what I like to do is we'll, I'll start a, a playlist, um, you know, with the person that I am going to have on the show and, um, we just kind of start throwing a bunch of stuff on there and then we just kind of start whittling it down. Like, do I really want this on there? Because we probably could have had a three hour show and that would have been really uh, <laughs> awesome for no one but you and me. So, yep, yep. um, I, you know, in the sake of trying to keep it under two hours, I'm like, we need to whittle this down. But, um, I, I, I definitely went back and forth on what XTC song I wanted to put on. And that's going to be the next group, mm-hmm. uh, the next track that we're going to play. And I decided to go with, um, the ugly underneath from, uh, um, none such, um, yep. which is, I mean, I don't really, it's hard to, it's hard to encapsulate exactly how this band has really evolved, um, over the years. Mm-hmm. I mean, they went from like a, you know, new wave kind of post-punk band and then right. they morphed into this very lush, you know, orchestral pop group, you know, and you, you, mm-hmm. you talk about Neil Finn and songwriting, you can't not talk about, um, you know, Andy Partridge uh, and songwriting, especially on this record. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's very much the same kind of genius level stuff, isn't it? It, it, it? I mean, honestly, it's unreal. And and I was doing some research and the, the I, there's a common th- uh, thread. There's a common theme uh, with XTC and that is they hate all their producers. Like every right. thing I've read, they're like, they didn't like Gus <laughs> Dungeon on this one. They didn't like uh, for uh, Skylarking. Um, who produced that? Oh, right. I have to go back and. Uh, I can't remember. What it, was uh, was that the one where they he remixed it or held it? He held it hostage, and, and, and yeah, 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 it was yeah. anyway. Um, that that's kind of their common theme, but I, I feel like yep. you know they they were able to these producers were able to pull really great stuff out of these guys. And case in point uh, is this next song I'm going to play. It's called "The Ugly Underneath." <laughs> Oh, 
I mean, that that's just, that's such a great song. That whole record is so Play it again. Play it again. Just play it again. Just, just play it again. <laughs> Uh, so apologies, I screwed up the intro on that. And then secondly, it was Todd Rundgren who produced Skylarking, right? Oh, so that's right. Yep, yep. Um, another- well, and I had read earlier as we were talking about just doing research that they tried to get uh, Hugh is it Padum, the like Padum, Sting producer, pa- yeah, and yeah, Dennis Padum. Padum. Yeah, there you go. Yep. And or either uh, John Paul Jones from Zeppelin to produce this. Exactly. Ended up with the guy who did, and I can't remember his name, but he obviously did a, a smash up job. So Gus, but that would have been, you always think like oh, how interesting that would have been to have either one of those guys. You know what? Knobs. I totally agree. And it was actually Gus Dungeon who he got to produce. Now, Gus was, That's you know, right. yep. he was, uh, he's famous for producing a bulk of um, uh, Elton John's work. And if you, if oh, you, I didn't know that. Yeah. So he did all of like El, uh, Elton's like, you know, that his big run, you know, his, his think of his creative peak in the seventies. That was all Gus. Okay. And so, See? Andy was just like, I'm really sick and tired of listening to him talk about Elton John in the studio and a bunch of crap. So I think he was a little bitter, but I mean, that, that album, and so that I, I just picked up the reissue of that, and man, Alive, that is yeah, so good. Yeah, I saw that you had posted that too. I, I have a fairly beat up original copy. Do you? And I, I, it's on my short list of getting that reissue, because I'm sure it sounds superior it in, sounds in great ways. i'm not gonna lie like you know i i i um i'd like to think i have a somewhat keen ear even though i'm losing my hearing um so when you have a good <laughs> reissue versus like just a really crappy uh you know piece of vinyl yeah. I, I can tell the well, difference it's amazing how many you know with the resurgence that there are very few bad reissues that at least i'm familiar with i'm sure they're out there yeah but it, it does seem like people are kind of taking, you know, labels and plants are taking care in putting some of these albums back out. And, and, and especially something like XTC, you would think they've got just like the top people, you know, making sure that it's exactly what it needs to sound like all the way through that process. Yep. So. They sure did. Okay. So talk to me about Wolf Peck. Love this song that we're going to play. Uh, this is one of those bands that I think a, a fair number of people know about, but they're very, they're very good musicians, first of all, of, from Michigan. So, and they've been around for about a decade off and on, and they, they broke through in a, in a couple of different interesting ways that I'll just touch on quickly. They, in, I want to say 2013, 2014, put out an album of just silence on Spotify. So I think it was like an hour of just nothing on, you know, for you to listen to. It was, but it was tracked, and it was it was called uh, Sleepify, and it was about an hour long. And they told their fans to go stream this on Spotify because they would get royalties from streaming, and that they would not charge admission to the tour that they had booked for the later that year into 2015. Get out and no and. And it went on for about two months before Spotify got wise to it. And they made about $20,000 in royalties in that time. Wow. And, and I think, um, I don't have, I don't remember exactly how it ended up, but they ended up getting an agreement with Spotify to get the royalties uh, to them, to the band, so they could do this tour without charging admission. So they I, maybe toured six months and did that. 
That's un- that and is un- that is unreal. Isn't that just, I, just I, I blew super my interesting. mind? I never would even thought to do that. No, but then you think about it and go like, well, I guess if they're just charging royalties per stream and per, you know, a fourth of the stream or whatever that breakdown is, these guys and they're very intelligent too. You can just kind of tell they're they're intellectual in the way yeah. that they approach a lot of things. Yep. And then most recently, they sold out uh, Madison Square Garden without a manager or a major label backing them. They just did social media advertising and sold out whatever that is, 19,000, 20,000 seat It's a big arena joint. And have this, it's a pretty big joint. <laughs> and it's a coveted place to play, it's right? Very so, much so, yeah. Well, good and they for put them. on this really amazing show. It's on YouTube. Uh, you can check it out for free. It's uh, both back at Madison Square Garden. But this track in particular came out uh, 2015. And I think I stumbled upon it just like Spotify or iTunes, kind of like, if you'd like this, check this out. Yep. And it's very, you know, sparse, funky, Prince, Sly and the Family Stone. There's a little McCartney in there that I discovered later that there's a song by him that I think they were inspired by. But it's one of my, again, one of my favorite songs just to play and share with people because it's just so freaking good. It is. I hear a little of Montreal in there too. Of Montreal gets a little, Oh yeah. They get yeah, a yeah, little yeah. funky, right? With the falsetto and the, yep. 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 All right. And well, the, listen, let, let's, harmonies. yeah, let's go ahead and play it. Cause it's, I love this song. It was a great choice. This is a uh, back pocket by Wolfpack.
Dorothy was a waitress on the promenade. She worked the night shift. Dishwater blonde, tall and fine. She got a lot of chips. Well, earlier I've been talking stuff in a violent room, fighting with lovers past. I needed someone with a quicker wit than mine. Dorothy was fast. Well, I ordered. Yeah, let me get a fruit cocktail. I ain't too hungry. Dorothy laughed. She said, "It sounds like a real man to me." You're kind of cute. You wanna take a bath? Do you want? Do you want bath? Oh, I said cool. I'm leaving my pants on. She said, 'Cause I'm kind of going with someone.' She said, "Sounds like a real man to me." If I turn on the radio, oh, my favorite song, she said, and it was Joni singing. Okay, so of the many bands that you and I have bonded over, I think we've really mm-hmm. bonded over Prince. Can can yeah, we, I think so too? Can we agree on that? All right, so <laughs> yeah. we we better. That's all. Right. So um, <laughs> look, it's obvious that we both love Prince. Um, this for me, this is it. Like, if I have to pick one Prince album that I take with me anywhere I go, it is uh, this one. Um, yeah, and. I get torn between this and Parade, the Under the Cherry Moon soundtrack, because mm-hmm. it's, it's very condensed and it's 
I don't know. There's something about it. It's very unexpected and has a lot of great music, but Sign of the Times is just undeniable just in the scope of the music and how, again, it's reading a little bit up, up on it, you know, through some of the books that have been released and even online with the reissue that just came out, Yep. you know, he was just burning through material during this time period. He, like he the had, engineers were just like getting cycled in and out of these recording sessions. Did you listen to the the podcast on uh, Spotify um, chronicling uh, the making of this album? No, I did not. Oh, I, actually, I didn't know that was a thing. Yes, it's great, and it, oh, and, and they touch on write that down. Yes, <clears throat> there's a couple episodes that that uh, focus on Sign of the Times, specifically the reissue. And they have uh, interviews with Susan Rogers, who is his longtime engineer. And yep. this album uh, was recorded. So he had before he built Paisley Park, he had a, a house um, that he bought in Minneapolis and um, uh, built a home studio in there. Susan Rogers helped yes. him put it together. And that yep. actually was the first track that they that he recorded uh, in that studio was uh, Ballad. Dorothy Parker. Is? Uh-huh. Yep. I did not know that. Yeah. So it's. It's a fascinating podcast. It talks with the engineers. It talks with a lot of his band. Uh, it talk, uh, has some interviews with uh, Wendy and Lisa. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it was really funny because, you know, if you're a Prince fan, you know that Sign of the Times came on the heels of, you know, he he basically blew up. He, he disbanded mm -hmm. uh, the revolution and right. kind of, you know, brought Sheila E in and a lot of the musicians that she worked with out of yeah. Oakland, California. But yep. there was this funny quote or interview with Wendy uh, Melvoin, his guitar player. And she said, well, mm -hmm. you know, we were in Japan, I think. And, and you know, we were wrapping up the uh, uh, Around the World in, in a Day tour. Or maybe it was Under the Cherry Moon uh, tour. And um, she said, I got to soundcheck early. And he was already there. And he was playing Sign of the Times. And she was like, uh, this doesn't sound like anything that he's done before. And she went back to the... Um, she went back to the uh, hotel and told the rest of the band, I think we're about to get fired. Because <laughs> I don't think this is going to involve he, any He doesn't of us. need us. He doesn't need us anymore. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, th that that record for me is just, it's it, it just touches, it pulls a lot of the heartstrings. And, and um, you know, that was really, I remember listening to that record endlessly. Actually, the, the, the funnier story with that is, the concert video, which I think is one of the mm -hmm. best concert video uh, movies uh, ever Agreed. put out. Yep. I rented it so many times from my local video <laughs> store and had so many late fees that they just gave it to me. Did they just give it to you? They just said, keep it. You've paid for this movie like probably 50 times over. Like we actually say. owe you money now. So why don't you just, you know, you can buy these outright, don't you, Jesse? Right? I know, right? Well, I, I was like in seventh grade or something. And I was like, okay. Oh, um, right. It's on streaming now, which is fantastic. And I, I've, I've made my family watch it. I'm like, this is amazing. You got to focus on this. Well, I had, I had read too, that this was, he wanted to do a three LP and Warner Brothers said, no way. They didn't think it was going to sell at that volume of music. And so he had to pare it down. And then I think what eventually became... The crystal ball crystal release ball. had yep. it had a lot of that like overflow that he had cut out that ended up just on the sign of the times double LP. Yep, it's great. I I'm I I've uh, a little birdie told me that I I have the the vinyl reissue uh, waiting for me come Christmas Day. So oh, um, very nice. I'm excited. Yeah, to, that's another one on my short list too. 
it, it's pricey, but I said, I think that's all I want for Christmas. Like I would be super, <laughs> if you just give me that, like that'll keep me busy for a while. So, um, no, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. So, so let's, let's it's talk good. a little bit about your next pick, which is Sweet Sangria by Tori <clears throat> Amos off the uh, Scarlet's yes. Walk album. What's up now with this? this? This, this album, again, I don't know, you know, it's hard to gauge cause I don't, I found Tori, you know, through a couple of songs prior to this album in 2002. And then this album just really grabbed me. The, the layering of the harmonies for the way she was arranging songs. <clears throat> it just struck me like nothing else that I'd heard from her before. Right. And this track in particular just has such a sweet, deep groove. Uh, Matt Chamberlain Matt on, Cham- drum, yeah. on drums. Yeah. Who used to be, uh, I think new Bohemians is probably where most people will know him from. Yep. Little Edie Pearl Fertel. Jam too. Played with Pearl yep, Jam. A little stint with them. Yep. And mm-hmm. I think SNL too, at, at some he point did. he was kind of in. Yep. He, he's one of those guys that um, I think I like a lot of his stuff and I don't know it's him until I do a little more research. But this this song in particular has always just kind of stuck with him with the groove, her vocal performance, and there's a couple of spots like in the bridge and towards the end that just always just slay me. And this whole album, if people listening don't know this, seek it out. It's unfortunately not on vinyl. It's one of those that, you know, selfishly, I think should be because it's such a sonically, it's such a good album. It is, you know, on CD and digitally, but I just would, I I can't imagine how good a vinyl reissue of this would be or vinyl issue, I guess, since it was never released. Well, Tori Amos, if you're listening, let's go ahead. Chop, chop. (laughs) Time to put it out on vinyl reissue. All right, let's check out uh, Sweet Sangria. Yeah, you think about this 
That's just a phenomenal. That's such a great song. It's pretty good, isn't it? You know, it's funny. Yeah, I think she had one single off of it too. Um, That's a shame. Oh, it's escaping me. But it it, it got some radio play. And yeah, yeah. Some attention. Um, you know, it's funny. You you mentioned Matt Chamberlain, and I I um, so I I don't I've never asked you this, but we've talked about drummers before. Do you play drums? I do. Okay, yeah. so so I'm, see this. This is why we are friends, or we are going to be friends, I should say, because I'm a drummer as well, and we've had some we conversations about... Oh, I didn't know that, Jesse. Uh, yeah, but we've had some conversations about Manu Cache, and unless you're a drummer, yeah, like... Yeah, oh, that's right. You don't really know who that is, but Matt Chamberlain, and I know we're talking about Tori Amos, but Matt Chamberlain, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite drummers, I love his the tone of his drums, but he... The work he did on Fiona Apple's uh, record, When the Pawn, yeah. uh, is yeah. unreal. Yeah. Unreal. And it, it's kind of the same. It layers in similarly in this album. And I think, you know, again, as a drummer, this is going to sound very biased, but I think there are, there are sounds in the way you play that really elevate the music. I mean, if this is just, you know, drum machines or any number of, I'm sure, very talented musicians on this song in particular, and I think he played pretty much on this whole album. Yep. It's a, it's a different album. It's a different sounding record. It's actually my oh, favorite of hers, to be honest. That that's I, I find this some whole of, album. Mm-hmm, I find some of her stuff yeah. to, to be a little hard to swallow, and I feel yeah, like, me as well. Or just like it's speaking to something that exactly I, I don't, just can't quite connect with. Yeah, in, in this in the same way that this record did. You yeah. know, it's it's a bit of a concept album about the U.S. right after nine eleven, and just you know how people were coming together in different ways, and then you know finding again, sadly divisions and disparity, but it, 
it's just such a brilliant, every time I put this back on, it's just like, Oh, I forget, you know, you get eight, nine songs in and every track is just great. And there's nothing to skip all the way through. Love it. So, um, since you brought it up, we, we, you mentioned drum machines. I think it was a great segue into, uh, into our next track here. Um, naked eyes when the lights go out. So here's, and and I'd love to get your take on it, but here's my quick, my quick thing about why I naked eyes is, is a very underrated eighties synth band because they were overshadowed by a song that they didn't write. So, you know, always something to remind you was a song that they covered. Bert, uh, uh, Bacharach. Um, and it's a shame because they have some really great songs that they wrote on their own. Yes. This one included. This one's great. I, so you took it off, you put it on and you took it off. And I, I, know. <laughs> I was like, mm, I'm going to go ahead and call an audible on this one. I'm going to put it back on because it's so good. No, I'm, I'm, I, and I'm glad you put it back on because, well, you know how these things go when you're, again, when you're making lists and you're trying to fine tune it into like, all right, we only have a certain amount of time. And some people might know this, some people may not, but it is like, it's one of my favorite 80s songs for sure. And another one that every time it comes on, you just go like, why isn't this like, you know, one of the top five sellers out of that decade? Right. It's it's so brilliantly produced, performed, everything. Everything. Well, let's go ahead. That's a great, that's a great setup. So let's go ahead and check out uh, When the Lights Go Out by uh, Naked Eyes.
Oh, that's so good. That was a great, I actually had to pat myself on the back. I'm sorry for that segue. Uh, that was a very good segue, Jesse. It was yeah. pretty good. I was pretty good. That I, you know, every once in a while I do something right. Uh, not always, but, um, <laughs> so that, that was, um, I can change by LCD sound system who, you know, owes a, a lot of their music to eighties sounding bands. Uh, and they do a great job of kind of reinventing it into their own, you know, kind of New York, uh, you know, grimy, a little bit, you know, grimy dance style. But, um, mm -hmm. I love that album. Uh, that's, this is happening. That was their, I think they, they broke up for a little bit after that record and they got back together. So, and I'm not as familiar with them, but even based on this song, I'm diving right in. You I, should. I know Daft Punk and I think there was a Nike running album they did like a hundred years ago that I had on an iPod for a while. Oh yeah. But what was it, that? This reminds me of a lot of other stuff that I've just been discovering in the last you know, five, six years. Spoon, like you said, a lot of eighties um, influences in here that just, you know, press all the right buttons. Yep. And I really like his voice. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting, it's a unique voice. It fits, it fits yeah. the, it fits the music that, that he writes a hundred percent, which is great. Like you definitely yep. like, okay, this is, I, I can get down with this. Um, now, is, this a, is, a, is it a band or a guy? So um, it, it's, gosh, what's his name? Why am I blanking? LCD sound system. Yeah, I've seen pictures of him, but I can't remember his name either. Hang on. His name is James Murphy. That's right. I'm sorry. That was, oh, okay. I should know that. So yeah, so James Murphy, um, he, he started a, um, an indie like dance label called DFA records, uh, out of New York, like, uh, okay. in the late nineties or so, and then started this band up and, and, and kind of just went from there. Um, but he's like, he's actually a great DJ. Uh, he'll, he'll fly around the world and do DJ oh, shows. Yeah. He's got a, okay. a wild record record collection, uh, for sure. Okay. So cool. I'm going to play. So, so, okay. You, uh, you picked a solo track, uh, from Neil Finn, right? So crowded house, yep. you know, great band. I, this next track is by a singer. Her name is Nina person and she's the lead singer of the yep. cardigans. And love the, cardigans. love the cardigans. And and here's a band that I always I get so mad and I really have no right to get mad, but <laughs> when people are like, Oh, that song Loveful, and I'm like, that's I feel mm -hmm. the same way about that as I do about Creep and Radiohead. Like that does not really define the band to That's me. That's a good comparison. Right? Yep. There's so much yep. more. You peel back the onion, um, you know, Long Gone Before Daylight, Gran Turismo, uh, are oh, phenomenal records. Good, I love that record. Yeah. Yep. So I picked this track, uh, Forgot to Tell You, off her debut solo album. Because uh, I'm like, well, you picked Neil Finn solo, and I'm going to go ahead and pick Nina Person. And I didn't know she had solo material so this is great and, and i've been listening to this album and i absolutely love it Jeff. isn't it great it's super so, chill so it's yeah yeah absolutely great record and and I'm, I'm hoping that the cardigans would get back together that was actually the first concert that my wife and i ever saw together was oh um, very cool the cardigans oh. back in college yeah we saw them for the first band on the moon tour uh at oh. this little bar in arizona so how did they sound live they sounded great then. I think that was so long ago. But then we saw them again um, at the Troubadour in Los Angeles for the Long Gone Before Daylight. And and the Troubadour, mm -hmm. you know, famous Los Angeles, yep. uh, Los um, Angeles club. Yep. club. Uh, it was great. We were 
up at the front and they sounded, I mean, they're, they're phenomenal. Actually, we've seen them three times. I take that back. Every single time we've seen them, they're great. Uh, so if you definitely have not if they ever get back together and tour, actually, what I didn't know is their, be there. their guitar player, uh, Peter Svensson, he's like an Uber, like a uh, pop producer now, like a Max Martin style. Uh, you, oh, wow. you should go look him up. He's written a ton of like top 40 hits. You're like, really? It's crazy, but this um, we're gonna play a little track called "Forgot to Tell You" by Nina Person.
Stay. 
it okay But I can't stop the falling rain If even I were you So I've been dying to talk to you about this track uh, for like two <laughs> weeks because I scoured and I couldn't find anything on this band, on on this group. And for Not for a, a minute there, um, I thought you were going to say, "Well, that's actually my band," and I was going to be like, "Oh my god, wouldn't that be great?" Oh my god! <laughs> so uh, that was uh, that was a, a little nice little run there. But that was a track called "If Even I Were If Even I Were You" by a group called uh, Disarmed. So why don't you? tell our listeners about uh about this about this band about this uh about this track all the now the new disarmed fans that need to know what's happening i mean well it's, it's one of those <laughs> kind of yeah kinda. <laughs> it's another one of those you know gifts from the digital age of just following these rabbit holes of uh, I, I do think this one was itunes because it was about oh five oh six. i think when this album 
there's a really talented singer, bass player. I think he plays pretty much every instrument. Uh, Fabio Trentini. I think he's Italian. And he's the singer and a bass player in this song. And he had a solo project called Moonbound, which I, I, I don't know if it's still on iTunes. That's where I found it, and I have it downloaded. So I think that's how I listened to it. Okay. It was on streaming for a while and then went away. But it is an amazing, Moonbound is an amazing 80s prog um, rock pop record that he did with Pat Mesolato, the drummer yep. from Mr. Mister and King Crimson. So again, drummers, thanks yep. Yep. for bringing some you know attention to good music. But I really was into that Moonbound project and did some research. And it was the same for me, Jesse. There was not a whole lot on him. And somehow I got wind that this Disarmed project was kind of on the tail end of Moonbound with two other really talented studio musicians. The drummer here uh, in Disarmed, I think it's Marco Minerman is his name, is just uh, released a project with Tony Levin, bass oh, wow. player extraordinary. Okay, from Peter other, Gabriel. Uh, yeah, Tony Levin. Yes, yep. Interesting. And so the but this song is just kind of an anomaly of like every time again I pull it out or play it for somebody or it just comes up on shuffle, it gets a lot of attention because it's really well crafted, well produced. It's just nice and ethereal. It's got just everything about it again that you that I think you and I can now agree like about it a song yep. like this. Well, that was a fantastic choice. Uh, and then before that, we had a great track by Alicia Keys featuring John Mayer called Lesson Learned. And as I was listening to this track, <clears throat> so I want you to tell me like, um, you know, why you picked it and whatnot, but excuse me, as I was listening to this track, I'm like, gosh, that snare sounds really familiar. I wonder if that's Steve oh, Jordan. Yep. And is, sure yep. enough, I went and looked it up and I'm like, I know that sound because he, Steve Jordan, also one of my favorite drummers and he was like played and produced uh, most of uh, John Mayer's uh Yeah. John Mayer stuff. It's certainly the stuff that I I love. I mean, yeah. From Continuum to um, Battle is it Battle Studies? Is that the mm -hmm. name of that? Battle Studies. That yep. Second record with him. Yep. yep. And into the new stuff. I know we had a couple. We had a. I think you put a straight Mayer track on here from his last release. I which, did, and then I took it off. Coincidentally, yeah. It, and that song that you took off was my most listened to track of 2017 according to Spotify. So <laughs> That's we were funny. on the right, we were on the same path. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But I like, I've always liked Alicia Keys kind of from a distance, you know, again, she gets uh, theatrical in great ways and the music and the R and B is so soulful and authentic. But the pairing here with Steve and um, Mayor wrote this song, I think with Alicia Okay, is just, it's some of the best singing like period, but especially from her, there's just some of uh, the second verse. There's this middle section where she's just barely able to get the note out. Cause she's singing with such great emotion. And yeah. she's just like kind of cracking in the, in the ways that you want singers to crack when they're feeling it. Right. And yeah, I just, anything Mare and, and Steve do together with uh, the bass players at Pino, Pino Paladino. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. We saw them on, I think it was the Battle Studies tour, and then uh, Robbie McIntosh was actually there touring with him, who's one of my favorite guitar players yeah. from Pretenders and like um, a couple of McCartney's reader uh, bands yep. from the um, later touring years that he did, and he played just amazingly 
well in the tour. So that that's one of those shows where just you catch him at the right time and you get a, a bunch of great musicianship. Yeah, I, I love Steve Jordan going back to Letterman. Yep. And just seeing him in that band was just, you know, that whole show obviously was influential, but that band was just such a, I think they're underrated in the way that Schaefer and Hiram Bullock and Will Lee and Steve in the beginning, just like were, that was such a different dynamic on TV period, let alone. Like, you, you really hadn't seen that. And, and, you know, I think we can agree. Nobody does a four on the floor quite like Steve Jordan. I mean, when he no. gets into, when he locks <laughs> no. into a groove, I mean, I, I've, it's depressing, I've frankly, it is depressing. Right? Yeah. And I, I've gone down a rabbit hole on YouTube of just watching <laughs> videos of him. I'm like any kind of like, mm-hmm. any kind of like, uh, you know, uh, camera angle from the drummer's point of view, or, you know, like just on him. Yeah. Um, yep. and I, I actually got to see mayor for the, finally, for the first time, uh, last year. And oh. I was really bummed because Steve wasn't playing with him. Pino was, Oh, he didn't. So he didn't tour. Oh, he interesting. He didn't tour off, uh, the search for everything. And I was like, oh, it was in support of that album. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, no, I'm sorry. Oh, he, this was, he just went out and toured. And, and that was the funny thing is he, he brought it up during the show. So he played here in Dallas at American airlines center, which, you know, like any sporting, you know, they, that's where our, our hockey and basketball teams play. And I mean, the sound in there is okay. You know what I mean? But leave it to John yep, Mayer. Right. I mean, he's an audiophile. He had the <laughs> best sound. I'm not kidding you. It was unreal. But he he uh, he brought it up. He's like, you know, I'm not really touring around behind an album right now. And, you, you know, you guys sold this place out. And it was like 18,000 people there. So, no Yeah, real. he's got a fan base, right? I mean... No, was that the show where Stapleton came out? Was that no, the same? No. Is no. that a different setting? Okay. Yeah. He didn't have any guests on this one. This was just him. Okay. It, it was sort of similar to uh Where the Light Is, the live, you know, show that he put out yeah. uh early yep. aughts, where it was like acoustic and then his blues trio and then his, In his the trio. Hits. Yeah. Uh this was, you know, he kind of went off stage or the the band went off stage a little bit and did some acoustic stuff, but uh, anyway, we we could probably go down a rabbit hole. Um, It'll be on the John Mayer podcast. Uh, that's the next one. We'll just do. We'll just. Well, what we need to do is a drummers podcast. Pick your favorites, oh, oh, and then great. yeah, that that the least listened to episode ever. Right. That'll. That's a seven part series. <clears throat> okay, I'm totally there for it. I, I know you are. I know you are. Um, and I've got a. I've got another. Um, one of the guys on my. Uh, uh, tacos and turntables uh, pod, uh, podcast. He is a huge prog fan, so I'm going to have to uh, turn him on to that Moonbound. See if we can find it. Um, so next up, oh, cool. I'm going to play a track. Um, I really love this band. It's a band called Travis, uh, and it's a song yep. called "Happy to Hang Around" af- off of their album "12 Memories." Now, now Travis really got lumped into like the Radiohead light, uh, you know, kind of you yeah know, criticism. A along with Coldplay and they're really not the same. I mean, they have in their, in their tender moments, maybe there's some, you know, high and dry or that kind of, you know, um, yeah. uh, you know, same kind of sonic uh, similarity, but this record is my favorite. It's, it's a very heavy record. Um, they, they recorded it. So um, prior to recording this record, their drummer, I think he broke his deck. He was, he, he, he dove into oh. a pool and he broke his neck. Oh, and I didn't know that. Yeah, they were sidelined for a while and they finally, he healed and he was fine. Uh, he's also a great drummer. Um, and they recorded this record and they just were not in a great headspace. And, you know, as is want to happen, 
sometimes, you know, pain uh, produces some great art. Uh, and mm -hmm. I really, I really love this record. Um, I, I found it on vinyl. It's very hard to find. Um, and I was, I think I, I, I may have squealed a little bit when I found it. Cause I was like, Oh my God, this is, like, <laughs> this is one of my favorite records. And the person I think standing next to me at the record store was like, kind of looked over at me like, you okay. And I'm like, That's, yeah, I'm, that, it's I, Travis. I'm right? fine. Okay. Just leave me alone. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and play this track and then we're going to say it into another one that I want to talk to you about. Um, so this is happy to hang around by Travis.
left a trail behind You spit as you slammed out the door If this is love, we're crazy We fight like cats and dogs But I just know there's got to be
You know, I totally forgot that they used that song in uh, Keeping the Faith. You remember that movie? That's I was yeah. That's where I first heard it. Actually, I was not. I knew Wait kind of just as an artist, but never really got into his music. And that is exactly where I heard the song for the first time and instantly fell in love with it. I mean, I was it's literally just, just so... sitting here like, where, where did I, I know, I, I mean, I've heard this a million times, but what? And then I'm like, I could see like the montages that they use like in, in New yep. York and anyway. It was funny because- And I had forgotten what that, that movie was about. It was, uh, was it Ben Stiller, Ed Norton, and- uh, Jenna Elfman. Jenna Elf, yes, thank you. And one's a priest, one's a rabbi, and they both fall in love with a great premise for I mean, that, did you know that was Ed Norton's uh, directorial debut? I did not. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was wow. his first film. Yeah, I love that. That That's... I Way back that. then. Way back then. Yep, that was the fil- first film that he directed. Um, you yeah, know, it's but- funny because I, I put a... Uh, I put it's, I had also put a Tom Waits track on this mixtape. Um, and then I saw yours and I'm like, eh, I'll take mine off. Which one did you have? No, I'm forgetting. Um, I hope that I don't fall in love with you. Oh yeah, which is that's not bad either. And I'll tell you a little story uh, about that one as we come to the end of our episode. But um, way back in college, I don't remember what I was watching. I think it was maybe like an MTV Unplugged or something. And I think Hootie and the Blowfish were on. And I'm I am not a, I'm not a big Hootie fan. Um, but they there's were, no shame. There's no shame. Oh. Uh, Okay. Um, so I, I was watching it and I think I met my wife in college. And so I, I think she was either there or we were talking about it. I don't know, but he, they played, uh, they covered that song. They played, uh, I hope I don't fall wow. in love with you. And I'd never heard it. And this is like back before the internet. So, it, you know, now yeah. it's like, Oh, just go look it up and see what the set I, I, list I, I, was. Yep. Yeah. I had to do some research, like, you know, get the track <laughs> listing and, you know, anyway, long story short, I figured it out and I'm like, that's Tom Waits. That's a great song. That's actually how I got introduced to Tom Waits in a very roundabout way. But to this day, my wife's always gives me a hard time. She's like, you're a big Hootie fan, aren't you? And I'm like, mm, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, just, just, there might be a few Hootie in my collection. That's all right. I'm saying. All right, we'll we'll leave it at that. No shame. No shame. In, in <laughs> we're not we're not doing a Hootie podcast. We're not doing guilty pleasures uh, episode just yet. So, um, but listen, but I like that Tom Waits tune. Yes, just to to wrap up that song because it's it's a little bit of him before he becomes like the character of Tom Waits. That's you true. Know, I, That's a great. When point. he gets a little gravelly, you know, even in the next couple of records that follow the Heart of Saturday Night. It's, I don't know, it's just not as pure to me. The The music's still there, I think, to some point. But the, the way he's singing, and, and that's why when I was, you know, getting kind of uh, into him a little bit later in the, like, the 70s and 80s, going back to his record collection, trying to see if there's other stuff I like, it's still these first two records that yep. are my favorite. I, I would 100% agree with you. He, he This is before he became a character caricature of himself and... Not that it was bad, but uh, not that it was bad, but this was still much, still better. Um, So that brings us to the end, uh, sadly, because I could go on chatting with you for a couple more hours, hands down. Um, Likewise. But I really want to thank you for for taking time out and and kind of, you know, sharing with our listeners, you know, songs that you're listening to, songs that you like, uh, and and kind of, you know, going on this journey. I I love that, um, you know, some people are, are cool about jumping on this show and kind of spotlighting their 
their likes. Uh, and I think it's really neat. Um, so I, I thank you. Um, no, thanks for having me. I mean, anytime I'm, I'm here, you, I mean, as I think, you know, you and I are from the same school as that. Anytime we, somebody asks to put a playlist together, don't have to ask twice. And it's, it's kind of a labor of love. Exactly. And to have, have a conversation about it and play this music, Jesse, it's awesome. Exactly. I I just love it. So we're going to close out with uh, your final pick. Um, And it's a song called Starlight by Muse from Black Holes and Revelations. Um, are Are you a big Muse fan? I am a big Muse fan. And I came to them kind of, like this album was the first album I really got into. I had, there was a couple of tracks on the previous record that um, now I'm forgetting the names. I'd written them down that I really liked the singles, but I, I didn't really look into the band outside of those tracks that kind of either popped up on a playlist that somebody sent me or just, you know, browsing through iTunes back then. And this record kind of came out and I, I think it was featured in some trailers for was it Watchmen or some other superhero or action movie at the time. And I was like, what is that? Cause it was like kind of the beginning of not tune in particular starlight, but it was uh, bl- uh, um, the massive. first track. Yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. yeah Mas- off of this record. Something and massive like, or yeah. And it was just perfect for the trailer, but it was just one of those, you know, when you hear song or music like that and you go, what is that? What, who's that by? And again, you know, kind of 2005, 2006, it was a little harder to figure out who it was. I remember it taking a long time in contrast to today to figure out who it was and and what album it was from. But then once I got into them, I mean, there's, they're they're pulling from all of the influences that I just love queen, you know, classic rock from that era. There's Beatles in there. There's just, there's so many layers of, good music and then then they make it their own it's just it's they're one of my favorite bands and every time you know a, an opportunity like this to put a, a playlist together even though this feels like a little edgier than some of the other stuff we've been playing it's like no this is a great i thought it was a great way to close i mean rock I, song. yeah i thought this is a great way to close it out this is you know ended out on a on a on a powerful note so exactly Again, thank you, Paul, for your time. Uh, and for those of you listening, if you're so inclined, please check out my other uh, podcast, uh, Tacos and Turntables. We talk about pop culture. And I thank you again for your time. And here is uh, Starlight by Muse. Have a good Thanks, evening. Jeffy. Thank you, Paul.
totalmente gratis toda esta orientación. Vamos con la primera pregunta. Muy. Piedras renales, piedras, eh, bueno.